and welcome back to another episode of the Blackwatch Report. I'm your host, Thorn Rain. With me, as always, my co-host, Mr. Kyle Wynn. How are you doing this evening, sir? Pretty good. Uh, my, I got. I, first off, it's it's always weird to say evening. I'm like, dude, I've been up for like four hours. Um, went on some errands and ventures, and then I came home, and then my wife uh, bought me a kalimba that she got mailed to me. Cause she's like, I, I like mentioned it briefly. I'm like, yo, I, I'd like kind of want to do some more instrument stuff. Cause I have like a guitar and a keyboard. And so like, now I've got like a little cool little like instrument and it like plugs into, I can put, plug it into an amplifier, record it and stuff. And it's just like, I've just been like fidgeting with that all day. And like, <laughs> I've been like watching overwatch and like just playing songs while I watched the, the matches for this last week. And so it's just like, the coolest gift ever and so that's that's been my life as well as playing a trillion video games what about you not not a whole whole lot i've uh i've been doing some some research and looking into some things and i'm this close to uh buying myself a top of the line uh way better gaming pc like Mm. i'm jumping up to like a 2060 super and like uh i9 and i'm like i think it's about time for me to to spend a little on myself and then i might either give my old one to my daughter even though she just got herself uh like a a a samsung like tab 10 Mm. or something Mm. like that tab plus so uh, she's using that for art, but like, it's either gonna become a stream. My old one's gonna become just dedicated Streamlabs, uh, machine, or it's going to her. So I'm not sure. Um, right. Yeah i I want to start like playing some other games, but the current rig doesn't fully support playing some of those games, and it's mm. like, eh, you know. Maybe it's time to just fully blow it up and, and do that. <laughs> but uh, it's just been work, you know, watching the grand finals at like eight in the morning, my time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't. It uh, I watched it like an hour after or two yeah. hours after. I uh, I got it like partially spoiled. I like tried to avoid it. Like I woke up at like eight o'clock my time, which was two hours after it had started. And like I come over and like I, I open up YouTube and then I immediately like, try to click on the very beginning of the video and I like look away I'm like, OK, I don't want to see where it is right now. And I look back and it says like your grand finals winners are shocking. Like, shit, <laughs> son of a bitch. And then I just like played the whole uh, video knowing who won. I'm like, cool. Well, let me just sure glad it just got spoiled for me by YouTube. I like didn't open Twitter, didn't open Discord that whole morning. As soon as I got up, I'm like, I will just go straight to it, not have it spoiled. First thing I do, spoil. I'm like, oh man, that is horrible. But it, I tell you what, going to Philly last year was an experience. It was like probably one of the greatest weekends I've had, like doing anything. It was awesome. But man, the 4-0, literally in and out of the arena in like no time at all was disappointing. And then we get these online ones where there's not even anybody there and like it's a nail biter. It goes 2-2 two, two, 
Like, yeah. all of the playoff matches were, I mean, other than the Philly ones, were, like, <laughs> super intense. Yeah. And I'm like, There was, oh. like, great storylines with, like, the the Soul Dynasty, who were, like, the the imposter that no one believed should have been there. It was just, it was a great weekend of Overwatch, yep. that's for sure. And then we looked to Tier 2, and we're watching matches from, like... A month ago. Because there's like literally nothing going on right now. Um, At least for three and a half days, according to Liquipedia. We got three days, seven hours, 47 minutes until what we'll be breaking down in the uh, speculation station here in a little bit. So, speaking of that, let's just get right on with it. We'll start with this little bit of news. We only got a little bit this week. Uh, as always, news brought to you by our Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash blackwatchreport. Sign up at the $2 level. You can sponsor the news. This week's patron is Mr. Shrugoff, the two-year king himself. So, Kyle, why don't you take us away on this first bit of news here? And I believe he's announcing his, um, oh, his that is team right. soon. I, don't, I didn't get the actual roster, but he, I, I think they're Let's... doing open division. Uh, so they got to work their way up, but best of luck to what team second nature, second nature. Uh, yeah. I think they're starting open division whenever open division is up, but, but uh, yeah, good, good luck. Hopefully you can make trials. Yeah. <laughs> it's, either, uh, either through it's a heck of a battle, either through open division or the, uh, the ELO hell tournament. He's got two chances to make trials. I think the ELO one just ELO hell just happened. I think. I because thought... um, I can't remember her name, but she's Crimzo's girlfriend is on a team that just made trials as well via the tournament. So that's a interesting thing. We've got like now two Overwatch power couples in uh, Fincy and Aspen, <laughs> and then uh, uh, Crimzo and his girlfriend, whose name I can't remember. But yeah, the, the, I think the the Elo Hell one just happened recently, but it doesn't say anywhere because it's not. No, on. the the signups ended on the ninth. Yeah, to sign up for them. So I'm trying to find it right now. I'll let you get on with that, and then I'll find the dates. Yeah. Um. So on the roster moves, we've got Crandop, who I forget what. He sounds super familiar. Oh, he's uh, he's Dutch. That's why he's on like on the Netherlands team for World Cup. Uh, has officially left the Uprising Academy, and Pizza Demon has joined in that flex support spot. So the team is still missing a main tank. That's still Tap and Wayfast as DPS. Um, False is the off tank, and then Pizza Demon and Dredro at the support spot. They're all like decent enough players, I would think. Like they should start to actually get out of trials and do well again. But I think they're where do they end up being? I feel like they're still in trials. Uh, Uprising Academy, or did they no, make it they, this season? This is the one where they made it. They they, they did make it. Got out of trials. Surprisingly enough. Yeah. Where is trials? October results. No, they're on the bubble. They're in. No, that they, they didn't make contenders, but they didn't. They're still in trials. They're three and two. That's right. They needed the. Uh, I forgot uh, about. They needed a the, win, and they didn't get the win. 
Yeah, they lost the 200 ms. Oh yeah, we never the, we didn't break that down yet because we were like almost there. We didn't quite have it finalized. Yeah, we knew revival was in, but the other three are Odyssey, 200 ms, and Infamous, all going to contenders. And the 200 ms roster is a an entirely Korean roster playing from Korea on 200 milliseconds ping, which is the joke of their name. And this includes Muse and Dobie, who are both uh pretty prominent players, I believe. Uh, I, remember, I forget what team Muse was on, but Doby also sounds familiar. Oh, he was on Upbursing uh, Eternal Academy, and then Doby was on WGS. So, both pretty popular players playing on a team that's playing NA contenders from Korea. Just uh, funny to see. And before I get into the next bit of news, I did find those dates. The actual matches start tomorrow. Uh, mm, the no matches problem. run October 12th through the 25th. So, we'll be able to kind of look in on what this is and maybe be able to check out shrugs team if uh if he got signed up i think they've got pretty strict uh guidelines to get in for the uh mm. the trial of champions though but yeah. the last bit of news here it's kind of a bummer uh odyssey losing uh the one guy me and kyle always talked about every time we covered a odyssey match uh mouthfeel stepping away from competing leaving the team, uh, said he's going to work on himself a little bit. So uh, hopefully he finds what he's kind of looking for, you know, get that little bit of inner peace. I know Overwatch can be kind of stressful, and uh, hopefully we get to see him back competing because he was definitely a shining spot on that team, even when it wasn't their meta to play in. Yeah, and, like, I think he was still, like, 16, so he didn't really have that, like, clear route to, like, okay, if I keep playing in, like, a, you know, a season of good performances, I might be able to get that over, you know, over to contract, and he just wasn't old enough to even remotely be considered. He was in, like, the sugar-free realm of, like, I can play this game for four more years and maybe I can get a contract. Like, mm -hmm. that's so, like just rough to see so hopefully that um hopefully he's able to, to figure it out and maybe take some time off come back uh because we would like to see him play yes and hopefully we uh we get some overwatch 2 news here real soon is uh yeah everybody was thinking like oh maybe we'll get a teaser in grand finals still heard nope. nothing um yep. it's kind of disheartening uh but that's all of our news. Like I said, there wasn't a whole lot going on news-wise this week. Uh, but we're going to talk about the uh, 2021 contract timeline down in the main discussion. Things should be heating up, and we should have a ton of news coming through here in the next coming weeks. Uh, like but, super soon. <laughs> yeah. But before we get into that... We're going to do the quick play. We're going to run down these two matches that we uh, watched this week uh, from the final week of Korea Contenders. So, Kyle, why don't you run down uh, the Group A, and I'll run down Group B just real quick as a recap, and then we'll get yep. down into these matches. So, Group A saw Talon, World Game Star Phoenix, and O2 Blast making it into playoffs. Gen G and T1 did not make it, unfortunately. Yeah, those were some uh, some rough ones for those two. But then over in Group B, we've got Element Mystic, Runaway, and Team BM making it for your top three, leaving Team Diamond and Oz Gaming out of this uh, playoff bracket here. 
Uh, and so one of the matches we did take a look at, so we watched some older matches from like the first week, uh, last week, and then this week we looked at some of the most recent matches. We took a look at Genji versus Talon, um, which was the match that's, I guess, the one that sealed the fate for Genji, and then T1 versus WGS, which I guess was a similar thing. Um, this kind of solidified WGS's spot in second as opposed to third and kind of helped with their seating a little bit. Um, but these two teams were a bit more interesting because most of these were pretty new rosters. Um, T1 is the only roster that, like, I think has been consistent for the last, like, six or so months since we, like, last watched a lot of Korean contenders. Uh, meanwhile, these other three teams have moved and shifted quite a bit, uh, including, like, Element Mystic and Runaway even. So it was a bit interesting to see. Um, but starting off the Gen G Talon match, this went three zero Talon's way. Um, there, this is not even remotely the same roster as we saw previously, which should be noted. Um, this has entirely different players than the Pacific G- uh, Talon team had. Uh, as they got brought into Korea, it's no longer with Patafan and CQB and Gagora and all those players. It's now just brand new. Um, I think all of these players were brought in at least uh, January yep. as the earliest. Um, and then as far as play goes and, and particular players that like really shined... Uh, we both had good things to say about Arrow, uh, specifically playing the Sombra on Busan. Um, I think he outbuilt EMP compared to the the Moira on both teams, which anyone who's been keeping up on competitive Overwatch, like the Moira always gets coalescent first, and building an EMP before that is pretty impressive, and then as well just completely rolls Stalker on the Fara. Um, gets a huge uh, final fight hack onto Ezan's Tracer, and so he's he's definitely had a good performance in this match and was definitely part of the, the key reasons on why they did so well. And then Jangu... Jangu? Jangu? I think it's Jangu. Jangu. Uh, uh, on the Hog was doing some work on Volskaya last as well. Gets like five kills in total. And the whole Vi- Volskaya like, matchup We'll talk a little bit about Gen G side of this whole thing in just a second, but maps one and two were actually somewhat close. Like Gen G looked really good. Yeah. Volskaya, more specifically, it took Talon winning literally in overtime point A to move on. Like it was just hard fought to get point A. They get point A. And then they go down to point B, and it's the same exact thing. They got to win both points in overtime in order to uh, to take this map. Genji put up a heck of a fight, but Talon just constantly was able to get people rolling in just in time, getting key picks. Arrow was a big part of that. Um, yeah, Talon was just playing at a completely different level, just not not showing any sort of uh slowdown even in fights that they probably shouldn't have taken something interesting as well that i just now noticed looking at liquid is, is they have been announcing mvps for each match which is super interesting to see 
Um, Jangu won the one for this one, which makes sense. Uh, and then the next player we'll talk about uh, in the next matchup. Uh, that totally makes sense that he won it as well. Um, but looking at Gen G, like you mentioned, like this is a very close 3-0. It doesn't feel like a true 3-0. It was uh, definitely like, a, especially the first two maps was a little bit more harder fought. Like they won um, one of the stages on Busan uh, and they had a pretty good performance overall. Uh, on Mechabase, I think it was the one that they won. Um, yes, Mechabase is the one that they won. And then... No. Uh, I think Downtown ended up being super close. I think all of them ended up being... 99 on the one. And then I think... Uh, was it Sanctuary? They... It wasn't super close, but it wasn't a blowout either. Yeah, that was it the was first back, one that was, was a little, little more, more back dominant on Talon's side. Yeah. But like, yeah, this was a really, especially that first map was super duper close. Uh, I think Ezhan was pretty good on the Ash. He got like a really strong like opening 3k, which you're like, oh, okay, they, they could win this map. And then you looked at the score ahead of time and realized that it's impossible. It's like, oh, too bad. Um, his Widow's also pretty strong on Downtown as well. Um, and then one of the real key players that we noticed that really shined uh was stalker man uh playing the tracer got so many backline pulse uh pulse bomb kills um onto the backline of talon brought out the genji on king's row and ended up getting like key picks without even using the dragon blade and then when he got the nano blade it was just lights out like he did what he needed to do um but yeah. like, unfortunately, he's also just barely turned seventeen, so he's not even like. No matter how good of a performance he has this coming uh, tournament or like come playoffs, it just doesn't matter because he's too young and has to play for a whole nother season. He'll be twenty twenty two before he can probably get called up to either Soul Dynasty or some other roster. Yep. Um, yeah, he was definitely one of the more fun players to watch. It didn't matter if he was on the far or the tracer. Um, I think he played, uh, played someone else. Was he playing the Ash? Yeah. Because as was running, yeah, they went uh, Ash widow. I think at one point yeah. with his hand on the widow and he went on the Ash. So yeah, he's like yeah. a very wide hero pool. played the far, played the Genji, played the tracer, played the Ash. Like he's kind of along the same line. Like I probably, he probably shouldn't get called up to, uh, uh, soul because he's literally like a lesser prophet which yeah. if you're going to be something being a lesser prophet still pretty good yeah. <laughs> but um but like you can definitely tell he's got a lot of the same heroes in his uh in his pool and i mean they probably scrim against each other quite a bit so he's probably learning quite a lot mm-hmm. from uh, the you know playing against literally like one of the best players in the world um so yeah it shows and I actually practiced this name earlier when I was watching these matches. And then I went to the store and I came home and I cooked dinner. I came downstairs and I sat down in front of my notes and I looked at the name and I don't remember how to pronounce it now. It's Chomgay, I believe. Chomgay. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to brutalize this name. I practiced so much this morning. <laughs> um... The bad thing that I like kind of stood out a couple different times. Um, 
I specifically noted his positioning on Volskaya wasn't the greatest. He would overextend, get early picked a lot. Um, there's a couple times where they would either, uh, Talon would either uh, Diva Bomb, or I believe there was a one or two Dragon Strikes where it split him off from the team, and then Talon would instantly dive on him and just just get obliterated. Um, that was kind of one of the big glaring holes that I noticed in Gen G. No matter how good they were doing, it always seemed like uh, Chamge was getting just picked in the most inopportune times. Um, I really think that Busan probably could have went the way for Gen G if we wouldn't have seen so many early picks on him. Yeah. Um, and then like kind of for all of Genji as a whole, the Hollywood, not Hollywood, uh, Kings Row was a really weird map for them because they just didn't play defense. No. At all. Rough. They just let Talon just walk at them and caps. Uh, I think it was, they didn't contest at all on the, basically through all of all Streets of Phase and didn't yeah. even at the end of Streets Phase at the, the point, they had the full team ready and they just didn't contest and they just let them get all of second point capped out for free. It's just like a really weird moment of like, is there like a miscommunication? Is there some really like five head strategy to like giving them all these points for free? Like, I don't think so, but interesting and so they ended up giving talon a huge time bank and then they capped as well but i don't think they had any time left over and all talon needed to do is just cap first in like four minutes or something like that which they just did so super easy yeah that was kind of a nail in the coffin for gen g not getting the um the win there i think they would have even if they won that i think they still would have not made it because I think O2 Blast had a better map differential. If they won all three of those, they might have. Um, that would have been like minus two, I think. Yeah. Which was one worse than O2 Blast still. So I, it was a match that didn't really mean a ton, but it was a good match for us to kind of see like who was showing up and who was not on both of these rosters. Yeah. Kind of similar on the other game as well with WGS Phoenix and T1. Yep. T1 is a roster that we know quite a bit of because a lot of those players played in NA contenders for a while. Um that's the roster with Perfect, Attacker, Nice, Ion, Sven, Fix and Physics. Um particularly Nice and Perfect were the two that played on Fusion Uni and uh Atlanta Academy, I believe was Perfect played a little bit. Yep. And then I think this roster went on to win one of the seasons of contenders. Uh, yeah. Or no. Or yes. Yeah. Season one, week one. They won the first. Yeah. Really in March. They won that one. But since then, they haven't had a great look. They continually won trials, um, but they didn't do. They've been 9-12, 9-12, 7-8, 9-10th. Uh, beyond that so kind of rougher showing from them after the fact and then on the flip side WGS Phoenix is a pretty big roster they have almost a full 12 they have 10 right now I think 
Um, I'm 37, Valentine, Gable C, uh, Aztec are all the names that I remember. Um, but let's see. This match went WGS Phoenix's way. I think I wrote down 3-2 or 3-0, but I think it was actually a 3-1. It was 3-1, yeah. T1 the one. They won Busan, I think. Yep. First, and then the next first three. Map. Yeah. I think it's always been Busan to start. Yep. Um, and let's see. I think Nice on the... I think maybe Nice was the one who built it faster than the... I think maybe both of them did. I don't know. I'm trying to remember which... Like I know one of them passed up the Moiras. I think it was Nice on the Sombra instead of Arrow previously that I was thinking of. Um, built the super fast EMP on Mecha Base. Uh, did good work on the Tracer on Sanctuary. And he's a player that we know can do work. And he's, again, I believe, a projectile flex DPS player. Not necessarily a hitscan player, but he is still able to play the Sombra, play the Tracer, and do good work on it. I think we also just knew that he was a Farah Geji player in the past uh, as well. Yeah, and then uh, Perfect. We, we've seen him. He was on Atlanta Academy for a little while. Um T1 was starting to, they were trading picks, they started to fall behind on the picks, and Perfect just pops off and absolutely dinks heads, because I'm pretty sure he was running the uh, the Widow at this point. Gets two kills, evens up the, uh, the matchup, gets a third kill, allows T1 to start to stagger back in, WGS has to back off. It basically sealed the deal for the mecha base portion of Busan for uh, T1. So he was looking absolutely dominant, you know, engaging into fights that they shouldn't have won, and he was able to turn around. So just still playing at that super high level that we we saw him playing in on the uh, Atlanta Academy. So it was it was nice to see again both of these teams, Genji and T1. They had a lot of moments. They looked good. They were competitive. A lot of these weren't really blowouts until, like we said, Gen G with King's Row. Um, these teams at the bottom of this Group A, a 1-3 record for Gen G and 0-4 record for T1, were competitive with the top two teams in the in their group. Yeah, I was points. getting a feeling that Group A is a lot harder than Group B. Yeah. Like, just based off of the name power, like, I think it seems like, I mean, obviously, minus Runaway and Element Mystic, like, the other teams on the Group B aren't just as good. Yeah. <laughs> At least, I don't know what Team BM... Eh, I don't know anyone on Team BM. So, yeah, like, maybe maybe they're really good. We need to watch some of them. But, um yeah, like most of, I mean, literally all of Group A is like pretty solid, I think. Like, obviously, it's clear that Talon is better than T1 and WJS Phoenix is better than T1 and stuff like that, but like, it seems like the spread is a lot more narrow mm-hmm. on that roster, uh, on that group. Um, and then on the other side for WJS Phoenix, this is the team that IM37 is on, and, um, He's an interesting pick because he's not like hard caring on the hit scan here, but what he is doing 
is just drawing attention because Valentine is much more that hard carry. Uh, and I think Iron 37 is just playing the role, which is important. He doesn't always need to get the pickoffs on the supports. Uh, he just needs to literally keep the enemy hitscan looking at him because Valentine is flying above and just getting huge picks on everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Farah, really, really strong. But then... I think on the flip side of that, the problem for them was even after Valentine was getting like two or three kills, you had Aztec and Waffle who both died in winning fights or that would have been winning fights if they had lived. But then uh, T1 was able to pull back these fights. I think that's part of why they ended up winning Busan was that you just had Valentine do big plays. And then meanwhile, you had Waffle behind him on the Mercy who's just not in a good position and got picked off like... Mm -hmm while valentine was doing work so it was a bit tough to see but not as tough to see as what tacker was doing with the dragon strikes man like on anubis they tried to retake a fight or no uh phoenix jumped in to like contest point a just for like a quick like second to bait out ults and boy did it work because i think they used like both the dragon and maybe the death blossom or something else yeah, uh, they used at least the two ults for of, no reason. It was it was the dragon and the the death blossom just out of yeah. nowhere. And then there was another fight when they're like walking up the pathway to get to the second point, and WS Phoenix like jump on them, kill like four, uh, and then he just dragons anyways. Like after four had died, I'm like, what were you like? Are you gonna switch? Nope, he stays on it. Like what the heck are you doing, bud? Just like really terrible ult decision making um from tacker here but i think somewhere to note the positivity on the other side is on wgs phoenix enocast gable c and valentine which is the two tanks and then the flex support or flex dps uh playing the reaper here they had a really clean dive so both of the tanks would dive in reaper would just run at him or tp in and they'd all focus the same target and just go boom 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 and then just just destroy the entire enemy backline um so it's good play from them valentine's really looking solid here i want to see him in playoffs do well and then he's uh probably a pretty prominent name on the the recommendations list that we're doing and then um, just something on Enocast real fast mm-hmm. um he had two plays that caught my eye one of them was on anubis uh, Aces was in for IM-37 playing the Sombra. Aces flanks around. Uh, it's at the doorway leading into point B and is going for the EMP. Uh, T1 had a ton of different CCs that could have stopped the EMP as Aces goes right into the middle of the group. As Aces is popping EMP, Enocast jumps over the, the the wall and drops the shield directly on top of him, protecting him as he throws out the EMP. EMP, I think, hits four. They basically wipe up the whole team. Um, and no one on WGS Phoenix dies because your EMP is protected. The whole sight line down the center is protected through the bubble, and T1 has nothing that they can use because of the EMP. And then seeing him on the Roadhog, uh, he actually 
oh man, I don't remember which map it was. I didn't write down the map. Uh, pulls a flick hook shot onto that was on Havana, Havana. on the I think it might have been Tacker on the 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 Hanzo right like no. through threading the needle or is that a different one no pulled the mercy out of the sky oh, that that's my other n- yeah so Fixa had gotten one of my note on T1 is that Fixa had gotten picked I think he got one pick out of the sky I think on Havana first or something mm-hmm. like that and then at the start of the final fight when they're all in brewery together uh it's final fight on the T1's attack and Fixit gets picked at the start as well. So, like, there were some pretty big picks that Enocast was able to get onto Fixa. So, both good on Enocast and bad on Fixa. So, um, there's definitely some clear blaring issues with T1 in this particular match. Yep. Like, Tacker with the terrible alt economy and alt usage. Fixa with the terrible positioning. Um, but nice and perfect with some pretty big kills in losing fights, we're able to win out the first map. So it kind of all comes together pretty clear here, but uh, man, Valentine, I want to keep an eye on him. He's doing some work in this particular match. And something that I've noticed watching these Korean matchups last week and this week, the Korean teams have such deep rosters. They're actually utilizing subs like we didn't yeah. see too many subs in contenders I don't think in there NA. Were any really and in na each of these matches today that we watched had at least two that i saw uh mm-hmm. i am 37 started then he went out for two maps then he came back in um gen g i think had a support player and a dps player rotate like the korean contender scene is playing very much like the Overwatch League. Like, they have yeah. people that play certain maps with certain characters. Like, I think that... I mean, we know that the majority of the top-tier talent is currently coming out of Korea, but I think the Korean players are better suited for the style of Overwatch League simply because they're already used to being subbed in, you know, playing behind or next to someone that's going to be filling their spot. They're not looking for the, uh, uh, like the egos. They're, they're not getting mad because they're benched or whatever. They know their role. Yeah. That was the thing I was going to mention is like, you don't have to worry about these players that come in thinking they're the hot stuff. And then as soon as they get in there, then they're like, Oh, well you're going to sit behind this other guy. Congratulations. And then like, you don't have to worry about that because these players were like free at least a year or two like playing like okay you were playing a particular role and then you will be brought out when that role is not suited for the map or whatever and like they they're able to kind of put the ego aside and not have to worry about that so i think it's it's a great thing and like it definitely comes to having much more structure and organization in korean contenders compared to na contenders like literally every na team except for like one or two are pretty much player run and player driven, it seems like. Meanwhile, you've got O2 Blast, Runaway, Element Mystic, WGS, Talon, T1. Like, they're all orgs, like Gen G as well. Like, they're all organizations with, you know, large coaching staffs and um, managers and stuff like that. Meanwhile, NA is mostly just me and the boys getting together and playing our roster. And, like, yes, someone technically owns a spot, but no one's getting paid. Like, 
it's it's definitely a different world entirely it seems like yeah just a quick run through on the korean side uh team diamond is literally the only like player ran team in contenders Mm. every other one of them is established orgs that have been playing for uh let's see oz gaming goes back to the beginning of 2019 yeah and i think that was the one that out of all of them was the only name that i haven't seen in contenders so like it's it's apples and oranges when it comes to korean contenders and na contenders uh it's like you said it's just the boys playing in na but it's it's actual teams playing over in korea and i mean as the grand finals this past weekend showed that's where your top talent is i think there was what two na players in the finals Super and Moth. I mean, Tayo is, uh, I I believe, technically uh, Japanese American. I think he's yeah, I think his dual citizenship as well. Um, but like, basically every other player was, you know, Korean. So yeah, it it shows, and you notice it when you start to watch these matches a little closer. Yeah, and th- that could be part of the like, well, maybe Blizzard needs to do more on the NA stuff. Like, I yes, and it's also just like a. Esports has always just been bigger in Korea. There's more money. There's just more attention. There's more just... people actually go to uh, esports events over there. Like, yeah, people went to basis. contenders matches there. Yeah, like you'd get, you would be lucky. Like you would have, you know, the two of us would go yeah. to whatever is in our own half of the country, and that's about it. Like, there's not like a thousands of people or hundreds of people that do all the group chants and yell uh uh tier two dan fighting at the at the start of the matches or whatever but yeah like yeah uh, if if no one's ever watched a korean contenders match when they were playing at the apex arena in front of a live live crowd you could hear the fans they had like specific chants that they would say at different parts of like the matches and it is one of the coolest things I've ever noticed or like ever seen because literally the whole crowd is into it. And like Kyle said, you would not get that here. It it would be Kyle going to the West coast contenders games. It'd be me going to the East coast. We might meet up in the middle of the country somewhere. And then we would actually have two people at the match. But there probably like, there wouldn't be a whole lot more like 10, 15 people. So, uh, Hey, NA esports fans step up your game. Actually, go to step it up, dude. go to matches. But let's get down into this next bit here because we've got some dates, and some of those dates are really close and they're really important. So today's main discussion is we're going to talk about the Overwatch League 2021 contract timeline. So, how do we just want to alternate on these? Yeah, let's just alternate um, on these. I'll let you so, start off on the first one, and I'll grab the second one. We'll go from that. Cool. October 10th, which was literally yesterday, championship match concludes 2020 season schedule. And so what this means is that they made sure to wait until the finals were over before they really gave too much shenanigans for team switches. That Though we did see already some player drops happen, um, but that was helpful because then it ended up giving those players an opportunity to either announce retirement, as we saw from all of the LA Gladiators players, um, 
or now that like we know that these spots are open and we know that those names are open as well and so you can pick those up but um most of the team moves were staffs recently yep and they're keeping everything until the end of the playoffs which is super duper helpful yep because we've noticed some some weird things happening in the past years with drops and pickups while stuff was still going on but our next date here is actually tomorrow, October 12th. Uh, teams may begin submitting player trades for league office review. All player trades are subject to league office approval prior to becoming effective. Um, and then teams can also start to extending or otherwise signing their current players uh, to standard contracts. This means that anybody on the team can either re-up their plus one or sign brand new contracts with their current team or the teams can just start saying, hey, Philly, I'll give you Super because he's a hometown boy. I wish that Philly would, would have to pay. <laughs> I wish it would happen. No. <laughs> that would be like a half a million dollar deal, I would guess. Oh, I, like, yeah. There was some d- discussion Two-time in the Two-time champion. People, people are like genuinely saying, like, well, if Super was that good, he'd play all the time. Like, what are you talking about? Just because he doesn't play 100% of the time does not mean he's, like, one of the best marketed people in the entire league and is not paid incredibly well. One of the most liked players just as a personality. He's a phenomenal tank. You can't dispute that. And, yeah, he, he rides the bench a lot of the time. But when he comes in, he's absolutely phenomenal, as we saw in the finals. And yep. I he's from Philly. Send him back, please. I'd love Send him on Philly. Philly. <laughs> I'd love to yeah, have him back on Philly. I'm sure I'm sure Death would love to see that too, because he's oh, been yeah. he's been on the uh anti Sato train for uh, quite a while, so yeah. he'd like to see that. Um next thing to note here, October sixteenth, so five days from the date of this recording. Uh, deadline by which teams must exercise any options to extend existing contracts which were initiated and executed initially executed in 2020 so anyone who was signed this year for this year um they either need to plus one them re-sign them or announce that they are free agented because that gives lots of time for all of these players to or all the teams to like find out which options are available which players are free agents so on and so forth um you've got a lot of the expansion teams are probably going to have some free agents Mm -hmm. um because you had last year 2019 season you had a lot of teams begin their one plus one and then 2020 season was the plus one part of it um like we saw end of last season, there's a lot of shifts from the original uh, 12 teams because yep. they had the same one plus one thing. So this is where we're going to start to see a lot of these expansion teams. I believe Guangzhou is like blowing up their whole team. It seems like they already like a bunch of coaches and um, Nero has been doing some, some tweets that uh, allude to some changes. So be looking for these, uh, a lot of these, um, Expansion teams to drop full rosters or significant ports of rosters um, and very likely could be switching up what they're doing, I would think. Yep. And then on October 23rd, uh, PSAs signed using the 2020 PSA, that's the player signing agreement, uh, templates are that are not extended terminate 
and such players become free agents. So anyone that does not up or agree to any of the uh, the PSAs for 2020 uh, become free agents starting on the 23rd. Uh, players who are signed using the 2020 PSA template whose contracts extend into 2021 season uh, begin receiving base salary at the 2021 season rate. Uh, we don't know what exactly. But well, we don't know player rates. So, however, they cool. negotiated for their payment going into 2021. The 23rd of October is when their new pay structure will uh, kick in for them for the 2021 season. And what we do know is that as of inaugural season, the base salary was 50k mm-hmm. um as we sometimes see with the minimum wage i haven't seen it a lot recently it's been a hot topic of <laughs> debate and politics of that rising up or whether or not it should rise whatever we are seeing um it seems like they have framework for the base salary to be rising so it might be fifty-two thousand, fifty-five thousand. who knows um it's good for the players not as good as for the teams, but you got to pick a side here, I guess. Yep. Uh, 24th of October, teams may begin signing free agent con- uh, free agents to contracts for the 2021 season. So that is the big date. You've got uh, just under two weeks um, for all of these contenders players to really make their name you know, out there. And so you've got matches starting really soon. And so I'm hoping... This doesn't screw up any of these contenders matches too much. I'm hoping you maybe see like players begin negotiations after having like good performances, but like in particular, October contenders for NA and EU and then contenders playoffs for Korea are this is the time to really shine because you're gonna have a lot of people who are like starting to pay attention because they hadn't done their previous homework because they were too busy doing other stuff because as we've heard most of the teams don't have good coaching or scouting and so it's very likely you're going to see a lot of recency bias here probably um and so if you had a really good performance in march no one may keep note of that because they were too busy trying to handle shifting from home stands to online games and deal with all that shenanigans. So I think like now is the time to step up. If you are a tier two player looking to make the jump to the big show, like now is the time to really uh, nose to the grindstone. Yeah, definitely. Cause nobody's going to be looking back that far. If you, if you're on a team that places or wins any of these upcoming, you know, uh, September, October, um november anything placed or won during those times those are the players and the teams that are going to really start to be looked at so now's the time for the tier two players to kind of you know step it up and show what they can do we've already seen some teams doing that but then we've got october i'm sorry november 13th is the deadline by which teams must exercise any team options uh, to extend existing contracts, which were initially executed in 2019. Uh, so any of those teams that were on the one plus ones, or uh, the players that were on one plus ones, they can have those contracts extended, and November 13th is the last day uh, for those contracts to get extended out to be renegotiated. 
and then those contracts end if they're not signed and agreed upon. Yeah, so that was a, a bit of a, a misspeaking on my end. Like th- these are the initial players from all, all of these teams at one plus one, and also got signed at the start of the season. Meanwhile, your midseason pickups, like your Oni Gods, Kevsters, and Tayos, those will be the ones that I talked about previously as of uh, for the October 16th deadline. So they need to be re-upped sooner rather than later. Mm. Um, and then November 20th, players whose contracts are not extended become free agents. This is the initial free agent window. And so this is probably where you'll start to see the true bonanza happening. Um, teams of players may also mutually agree to an early release from contracts prior to this date. So um, hopefully we're going to start to see teams letting players go before then and not screwing them over, holding them to the last minute until teams have already been decided. Um, really, the earlier we see players let go, the better it is for the players mm-hmm. because they now have the maximum amount of time to look around and review their options as well is they also have kind of first go of things. Um, if you're in the earliest, you have the spot of, uh, you have the opportunity to lock in a spot sooner uh, rather than later. So Bishu, for example, I think he's moving to coaching, but say if he stayed uh, as a player, now he's got all these opportunities to look over at all these other teams and discuss whether or not he uh, wants to go on this team or that team. But meanwhile, if they waited all the way till November 20th, he's got a like, a month and a half less time, and that's a month and a half in which a team could have already refilled all those spots. So um, hopefully we see teams starting to announce free agents sooner rather than later. Yes. And then our last date here, it's kind of the big one. Uh, January 4th, 2021, we're going right into next year, uh, is the deadline for teams to have their minimum seven players signed to the season-long contracts for 2021. Um so uh, teams may make trades until a trade deadline. That deadline has not been given to us yet. They haven't uh, let anyone. I'm sure that they've let the teams know, but it hasn't been publicly announced. Um, the league office may separately impose a roster lock date after which teams will not be permitted to sign free agents. Uh, again, that date hasn't been announced. And then uh, players who were born on or before June 30th, 2003 are defeated definitively eligible to sign overwatch league contracts for 2021 season. So we've got our, our birth date of when players can be under the age. So this is when we can start scanning through, uh, liquipedia and checking dates on uh, players birth dates to see if they'll be eligible for the mid-season pickups a couple of the players we talked about today not so much i think they're like august and july two or three months past yep um choice of one on mystic for example is uh turning uh, 18 in two days so he'll be available and then i forget what players in na are on that um threshold but i think there's a couple that are um somewhat close to that i can't remember offhand though i think a lot of the team doge players are like still super young or the former team doge players who are now on tier two day like i think og and speedily are both still um yeah speedily or og is still way too young speedily is still way too young 
Yeah, uh, I I think Frill even said, "I'm sorry, Shape." I don't I, I don't ever know what to call him. Uh, had made mention that he's the only one on the team that's like old enough to be signed. I think everybody else is yeah. underage. So, yep. Uh, do they don't have an age for Hydron? They don't have. I think Webb's. Still- I think Hydron's like. No, no, Webb 15. is nineteen. Webb is nineteen. Uh, he could be signed as well. But yeah, OG Ultraviolet doesn't say anything for him. Yeah, a lot of these players are super duper young. Um, so I think it comes into play more for the Korean players. I think who are like much more on that line of like pretty mm. close. So I think most of the NA players are either old enough or years away yep um and then another big thing is two-way players has changed a lot i think we initially mentioned this when it was announced but like that was months ago yep a little refresher here um to quote the note exactly in order to provide more opportunities for the player development and staff or support our path to pro system the league office has restructured the rules surrounding two-way contracts making it easier for players to compete in both overwatch league and contenders in 2021 first There is no longer any limit to the number of players who may be designated as two-way players at a given time. Additionally, two-way players on teams with no Academy Team affiliate are now eligible to participate in contenders' competition. So, there is no limit of two-way players. So, technically, everyone could be a two-way player on every team at all times. Uh, And you can just send a player down to play on Tier 2 Dan or Revival or whatever roster you want. Um, because you don't have to have academy teams, which I think is really gonna help. It's first off, it's I not really gonna like incentivize it. any teams to have academies at all, so that's just kind of screwy. Yep. I think the academy rules still do exist, yep. so you still have right to first refusal as an academy team, but that only really w- is concerned to the Korean and um, Chinese contenders teams, and then Uprising Academy, who like. No it's really diving at those uprising academy players so yeah good luck there huck the perpetual trials players aren't really being looked at for overwatch league spots i don't think yeah um and then we can alternate on these notes overwatch league or here are some additional details for any of the two-way system overwatch league team must continue to pay their two-way players salary and benefits while those players compete in contenders, players and teams may agree to a tiered salary structure, but players must earn at least the league's minimum salary at all times. So they could say on a contract, hey, if you're playing contenders, we'll pay you 50K, but if you start playing Overwatch League, we'll pay you 60K or whatever. Yep. And then, but you still have to pay at least that 50K. And then kind of on the opposite end of it, uh, teams without academy team affiliates may agree to player loan agreements with any contender team. Uh, player loan agreements must be submitted to the league office for approval. This is where what Kyle was talking about, you know, somebody playing on tier two Dan in contenders off of, let's say, the Houston Outlaws. Um, Houston Outlaws is going to be able to write up an agreement with tier two Dan saying, hey, we want player why to play for you guys while we don't need him in the league right now just to keep him warm and kind of running the current metas and knowing exactly what's going on i'd like it i think that it's going to one help out a lot of these these lower teams as long as there's some sort of financials going to these teams for basically developing the talent um Mm -hmm. but 
I also think that we're going to get more eyes on contenders because of this. If- Dude, you know it'd be so sick on a side note is what if you had a new team formed by just your by just two way players? Like you had like a couple of two ways from Houston, a couple of two ways from Dallas, and then a couple from the Valiant or whatever, whatever, whatever. You just had like a team I, of just two way players from other teams. I dig it. I like it. it'd be hilarious. That would be the the real tier T uh, two Dan. Like yeah. th- that. That's exactly what that would be. But like I I like this. I like this setup. I think it's going to help out players. I think it's going to help out the contenders ecosystem whether it's finances to the teams or just drawing eyes. I'm just going to throw a name out there. Let's say Houston keeps Dante and they two-way Dante and they send him over to the Blackwatch Report contenders team <laughs> to Revival. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll let's go Revival. Let's keep it let's keep it in reality here. Yeah, yeah. Dante's playing on revival. Now all of the the Houston fans have a reason to pay attention to revival. The Dante fans have a reason to pay attention to revival. So on the days that revival are playing matches, that's extra eyes on contenders. Now this is just me spitballing here, but I think that it's huge. And as long as it's actually utilized and we see it done properly, that it's going to help out tier two immensely, probably more so than the academy teams did, because those were just in name most of the time. So, I I dig this move. I think unfortunately we're not going to see the Dantes and yeah. that level of player I went going down higher. into contenders. I did. Um, you'll probably see some. I can't even come up with names of the players who would do but like we saw what happened with bishu where he went down to the gladiators legion team and, and kind did of like phenomenal saved them and then came back and then unfortunately had issues where he couldn't play but like the storyline the possibility was there um here's the kind of the other rule is any two-way player that does not play in five consecutive overwatch league matches for their team over a minimum of three consecutive weeks will be eligible to participate in contenders or other non-Overwatch League esports. Um, licensed by Blizzard, subject to team approval. So, pretty open on the limitations here. Like, in theory, super, depending on some, you know, in the Arisa meta, super could have played on Academy or on a contenders team, because there were five games where he wasn't playing because it was Smurfs go because it was Arissa all the time or whatever. Which is interesting. It's like a pretty loose rule. Yeah. I mean, it. it's definitely not as strict as the old one where if you played in, what was two it like? Matches. Two matches. In a month like or two. Were- you were completely locked out. Like we saw them have to change rules mid season because they didn't think about how exactly it would affect things. But this next one here kind of throws a wrench in your plan, Kyle. We're not going to get a full tier two team. You you can get, you know, pretty close. Uh, Up to four two way players may compete together on the same contenders team roster in any given contenders match. 
a contenders team may field two-way players belonging to different Overwatch League teams. So we could see the Gladiators, the Outlaws, and the Fuel all have two-way players on the same team. You just can't have more than four of them playing at any given time. So that is kind of out the window. But again, I like this because now... the Overwatch League team doesn't need to worry about fielding a whole team just to develop or keep one or two individuals warm. And as long as the fuel isn't having that player practice specific fuel strats on said team, they can play with whoever they they need to to compete in contenders. And that very well could be a competing Overwatch League, you know, tier two player. So... It's going to be interesting to see if this one gets utilized. I can see people or teams kind of straying away from doing this early on. I think we see this start to happen a little bit later in the season when some of the teams aren't necessarily worried about uh, strategies being leaked or their standings aren't in the greatest and they just want to kind of send somebody down and, like you said, maybe cut a little bit off of their salary because of their two-way language so gonna be interesting definitely yep we're seeing that gonna start to happen real soon like we said literally tomorrow the player trades open up um lots of opportunities for movements to happen but we still have a couple of weeks so we start to see like major pickups um and stuff like that i think when's the Oh yeah, 24th, so about two weeks until we actually can see these contenders players be picked up and free agents picked up and stuff like that. Um, But real quick, let's kind of dive into Contenders Korea playoffs, which are starting uh, on the 14th. So yeah, three and a half days. So we'll be covering all but I think the finals. Yeah, because I think the finals are actually pushed out like a week after that. Yeah. So everything but the finals will be covering next episode. Um, but we've got as follows WGS Phoenix versus Team BM and then Runaway and O2 Blast facing off in our quarterfinals. Uh, let's let's break into the predictions here. Who do you have winning the uh, WGS BM match, Thorn? I'm going to give this to WGS based off of what... I saw against T1. Um, the team looks super clean in everything that they're doing. They've got the rotation between IM37 and uh, Aces or Ace for their, you know, kind of hit scan somber player. Mm-hmm. They're Valentine smashing, dude. Valentine just looking absolutely phenomenal. They got a tank line that works really well together. And this is one of those teams where. We really didn't talk about their supports because they just did what they needed to do. So this yeah. is this team is pretty much the total package when it comes to this matchup. I'm giving this to WGS Phoenix. Yeah, I think I am as well. I'm not as familiar with Team BM, but um, I think because of that, I will just give the... I just know more names and I've seen better performances. And I mean, Team, B, uh, Team BM was uh, two and two in arguably the the weaker region or the weaker group, it seems like. Um, Meanwhile, WGS only lost to Talon, who was the best team in the area. Um, Runaway O2 Blast. This is a bit of a trickier one for me, I think. Um, 
I think I'm going to go with Runaway here, but this is one that like I would absolutely not be surprised if O2 were able to take this one. Unfortunately, there's no lower bracket, or else I would say you have O2 Blast run through the lower bracket and probably mm. make it all the way up to Losers Finals. But this is a single Elim playoff bracket, so it's win or go home. Uh, so I'm going to give this to Runaway, but I'm given the possibility for O2 Blast a lot to win this. Ah, see, and I'm this is where we're going to differ. I'm going to give this to Ooh. O2. Uh, I I stand by I we talked about it. I think Group A was the harder of the two groups. Yeah. Uh, O2 lost to the two teams that were clearly better and beat the teams that were clearly worse. Mm-hmm. Runaway only lost to Element Mystic. Fair, understandable. Um, and beat the teams that were below them. Or yeah, below Runaway. My issue is, is they didn't How have much that word. They didn't have a whole lot of. I mean, Element Mystic. They went three one. Um, they beat Oz Gaming three zero. Um, BM three zero. The the teams on Group B were just substantially weaker. We've seen O two take it to Runaway in the past. I think this O2 roster is going to do better. They've already been able to beat the runaway roster. I'm going to give it to O2 here. Cool. So, in the semifinals matchup, we've got Element Mystic versus for both of us now WGS Phoenix. I have this going Element Mystic, I think. I would agree. So, that's uh a both of us here. Knocking out WGS Phoenix, Element Mystic going to the finals, facing off against the winner of Talon Esports. Both Element Mystic and Talon Esports both maintained uh, the one round by because they were the top of the region. Um, and now this is where it gets kind of funky. Is you've got Runaway from me and O2 Blast for you facing off against Talon. I have Talon, I think, going for it. I would also be giving it to Talon. Okay, so I, that's it, it kind of comes back together. I, I think that the number one seed from each of the groups end in the finals. We get Element Mystic, we get Talon in the finals, and it's going to be an absolute banger. And Element Mystic wins this season of Contenders. I have that as well. So we have, uh, I, uh, as per usual, we have one match that differs between the two of us. Yep. There's, and there's it's, of course, the one, one that I'm like, it could totally go your way. I'm not going to ever say it doesn't because I'm never, like, overly sure of myself on these predictions. Like, there's absolutely no way yeah, I, that Runaway does not beat O2 Blast. And then they, like, play the clip of them just getting 3-0. And they the do 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 <laughs> and yeah, just me I'm, looking like an idiot. I am not a big enough uh, Korean contender stand to like plant my 100% flag in any of these teams. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no dying on these. Hills. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm casually walking around the hill. Like, yeah, I'll catch you on the other side. Uh, yeah, but I think that the runaway O2 blast match is going to be a phenomenal match to watch. I think the WGS team BM is going to be kind of a sleeper. 
I'm not gonna lie. Um, and then I think both of the the semifinals matches are gonna be pretty good matches. And then if we get Talon Element Mystic, like we're both calling it, that's gonna be one heck of a grand finals to watch. Um, actually, really looking forward to watching some more Korean contenders because this has been. It's a completely different play style that they do over there. They are running like different metas where we're not seeing mirror matches from the start to the end of the map. We're seeing like counter, like a bunker on defense and a dive on offense instead of like double dive, just diving into each other. Like I'm liking a lot of the stuff that I'm watching in uh, Korea contenders right now. And this should be pretty good. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. So before we get down to the brass tacks of ending the show, our two year Twitch subscriber patron forever. Mr. Shrug off <laughs> has announced his second nature team roster, and I'm going to give him an end of the show shout out. So the second nature roster for the ELO, uh, ELO Hell Esports GGNA, we've got Shrug X and Zoms. Z Zames? Zames. Zames. Not, not Zoms. Not Zoms. Oh, that'd be cool. Zames uh, on support. We got Short Stuff and Zaboomaful on the tank line. Bezo. Kinza DD9 on DPS and then TMXM on support and Papa Kaiser uh, wrapping up the DPS line. Really happy you got together a team. There's kind of something special about this team. Their whole starting six consists of top 500 console players coming over from PC getting together and making a former console team. If I'm not mistaken, a lot of the GOATS players, the original GOATS players, I think all the came entire over, roster was, yeah. Came over the from former Xbox. Fractal Esports. Yep. yep. So it's not unusual to see top 500 players from uh, consoles come over and dominate inside of PC. Hopefully this is another team that we get to watch happen. So they've got four coming over from PS4 and two coming over from Xbox. So... Congratulations for getting the team together, Shrug. Best of luck in the tournaments. Hopefully we see you do well in GGNA and you pop off in open division if you guys get in there. So congratulations, sir. But Kyle, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at CalTheWinner. Um, still waiting on the thing to happen. It's, it's getting closer <laughs> and closer and closer. Uh, Wednesday I'm is a big day for me, so we'll see how it goes. And then hopefully, as soon as it happens, I can actually say what is going on. Uh, it should be exciting, I'm, but we'll I, see. I'm excited for this announcement, man. I know, I know, Blevins got an announcement coming up. You got an announcement. He got a, yeah, up. he had a bit announcement here. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you can find me over on Twitter at Thorn Rain. Um, if I do do any streaming, it's probably going to be spell break because. I'm still really di digging Spellbreak right game. now. Um, but I'm probably going to hold off until I get that new PC because uh, then I can crank up the settings and it's not going to look like I'm playing on a potato. Uh, <laughs> but if you want to help out the show 
and you're an audio listener, head over to twitch.tv and find the show, twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. Hit that follow button. We'll give you a shout out. If you happen to have Amazon Prime, you've got Twitch Gaming Prime something or another. I don't know what it's called anymore. Hit that subscribe button. We are affiliates. We do appreciate it. You want to help out completely free? Leave us a review on your podcatcher of choice, either iTunes, Player FM, Spotify, whatever it might be. Send us a picture of the review. We'll read it live on the show. You can find the show on Twitter at Blackwatch Report and email the show blackwatchreport at gmail.com. Follow the show over on Twitch at twitch.tv slash blackwatchreport. We record live Sundays, 6 p.m. Eastern, and our intro music is an original piece by our own Mr. Kyle Wynn. This has been a High Noon production. You can find all of our shows over at highnoonpodcast.com and come and chat with all of the hosts from the shows on the Discord at discord.me slash highnoonpodcast. And with that, Blackwatch out. <laughs>